This is Leadership in Action, and I'm Casey Cheshire. Join me as we delve deep into the passions, expertise, and experiences of Boston area innovators. Sponsored by the Boston chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization, this is Leadership in Action. There it is. We're, we're live, and I got to tell you, I'm really excited about this one. Uh, the guest today is amazing. She is a speaker, a trainer, an entrepreneur, world traveler, fellow EO member, um, really inspiring. And we were just talking earlier, I think even a better podcast host than myself. Her show is The Global Marketing Show, author of The Language of Global Marketing, president and owner at Report International. Wendy Pease, welcome to the show. Thank you, Casey. It's great to be here. You're the person that got me into podcasting, so I'll always be eternally grateful to you. I know, right? And it, well, I'm I'm so glad because I, I I learned from you as well. I mean, you you are so connected and you're so caring, and you you epitomize just the 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 connector that is always trying to help connect people with solutions and and everyone I meet knows you already. So it's, it's such a pleasure to have you on here uh, for a moment and to extract some of the knowledge from you. And so I want to start right off the bat and say, you know, we have a, a myth we want to start with. What Smash this for us. What is a common misconception about leadership or being an entrepreneur? The myth I want to smash is that your company is too small to go global. Mm, too small. Really? That's, I mean, I even sometimes think that too, right? You got to get your shit together in the US or in your local country, wherever you're at, and then you go to the next country. Yeah, but what's get your shit together? I know. It's right? like being yeah, ready to it? have kids. <laughs> your shit's never together and you're never ready to have kids. <laughs> you know what? That's a great point. You are never ready. <laughs> hey, you're never ready even when you have them. You're still trying to learn. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so if that's the case, if you don't have to be the large corporation to then branch out into the next geo, what what can just anyone do it? Do you have any requirements or is everyone ready to go today? Like how does that work? Well, you have to have the kind of company that would go global. You know, I use the okay. example of a local dry cleaner. That's going to be hard for them to go global, but there are things that they could do to make their place more welcoming if they live in a multicultural, multilingual uh, neighborhood. But if you look at the statistics, one, less than 1% of U.S. companies export. And of those, 98% of those are small and mid-sized companies. And the number one export that we have is services. So even if you think, oh, I'm in a business-to-business -business service, I can't export, well, think again, because there's lots of consultants and trainers and technology companies and all sorts of accountants and lawyers that all export. So um, if you start thinking about that, you're like, huh, what's, what's the similarities of the companies that are doing it? It's that they have the openness to do it. And then if you continue to look at the statistics, those that export have higher profits, higher revenues, higher salaries, higher valuations, and they're wow. more stable companies. Sure. And the next reason is that the state and federal governments offer free supports to help small and mid-sized businesses. So you can get grants to help with translation. You can get free consulting to look at market strategy about where to enter. You can um, 
get grants to go on trade missions to meet people. They'll help you find distributors. Um, and the reason they do this is our balance of trade is so far off. Um, we import so much more than we export that the U.S. is always trying to encourage companies to export. But here in the United States, you know, we're afraid of other languages. We're afraid of other cultures. And we've got a large enough market where we don't have to. Like if you look at uh, some of the other countries, who is I was talking to somebody today. He's from Macedonia. That's where he was from. Nice. You know, they've got 2 million people there. So a company like that or Belgium, they're going to be thinking about exporting from the start. But U.S. companies have so many advantages if, if they start doing it. You know, what a great point that a lot of these companies plan to export from the start. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and if you, the, the ones that don't well the 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 technology companies in the u.s that don't plan from the start really run into trouble because they can be found online usually with their technology and people want to use it and then it's not easy to adapt it you know with the the fonts or the programming or adding additional languages that they run into a, a real problem but yeah, in other countries, they, they think about exporting from the start because they don't have as large a market. And, you know, that's, you know, it's, it's a benefit to them in one way. It's also a challenge because they can't just, you know, do it in their own market. I was surprised but, that you mentioned that it was mostly services. And, and I know. I'm, I'm a service guy myself. And I love professional services. And I, and I hadn't really thought about exporting services as much as, I mean, I guess I've done it and I haven't even thought about it. But you're right. It's not just products. It's services. It, really, anyone can go global at that point. Oh, yeah. And do you know how many companies are out there in the world that want to enter the U.S. markets? So if you do a little bit of multilingual marketing, get found online and stress that you can help companies enter the U.S. market, wow. that's a huge opportunity for you. Or, you know, talking to your companies, your creative agency, you help them grow, talking to your companies about how they can expand internationally. And say you have a company that goes into Germany and then they have a supplier there um, that is looking for marketing and they introduce you. There's natural ways to expand from there. You know, this is great because it's a podcast, but when I, when I ask these questions, I'm, I'm literally thinking of my own company and yeah. in different ways. And even mentioning the idea of offering for others, trying to enter the U S like, you know, we, we help people launch podcasts and like, wow, what a great way to help a company enter the U S by helping them launch a podcast. So th- that's what I love about conversations with you is, is these aren't like bullshit questions that I'm just thinking of to, uh, <laughs> you know, to just sort of <laughs> fill up. I'm like literally trying to, to implement these things. And I hope everyone else listening can too. The, the, the challenge is, I, Man, you. By the way, you're a stat wizard, and I am convinced. Like the defense rests, I like these. All the numbers, the fact, the facts are there. And then, even as an entrepreneur, I know we're always listening for those imbalances. And when I, when I, when you reminded us that mostly we're exporting, and so because we're exporting so much, the government itself is like, please, people, um, or we're mostly we're importing. I'm sorry, you said mostly we're importing, and the government's like, please export something for the love of God. Here's a million grants. Here's tax breaks. Here's all these things. I feel like that's an imbalance worth jumping on. Um, oh, I, 
It's huge. I just went to the CIDO conference. It's the State International Development Organization. So all the state representatives that give out the grants to help exporters were there. And they don't want to spend the money advertising the grants because they want to give the money out to the companies so the companies can use it to export. But then here sits all this money. It hasn't been used in a lot of states over the past year or two years because of COVID. And some years it goes unused. So they love it when I put stuff out on social media about, you know, the access that they can have to these grants. And if anybody calls me, I'll connect them direct to that person in their state that gives the grants and the application is really easy to fill out. And this year they expanded it. So this is good for you to know that it's not only for translation and trade shows, you can also update your website and do your marketing material with the grants because what they found was with people trying to do on the on all the online marketing rather than going right into translation they're like well I need to update my website and they'd have to come up the money for that so they expanded the the grant program to say you can update your website and then translate it to try to get the international business and it works because I've got clients I've got case studies all over the place that talk about how adding translation onto their website increased their business us. Wow. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. There's there. I am. I'm now not only convinced I'm overwhelmed. So where, <laughs> where do I start? Like what, what is step one? If everyone listening now is we're convinced Wendy Pease has evangelized the international advantage here and we want in, but do you translate your website? Do you go after these grants? Like what is there? A, is there a step one? Is there a place to start? Yeah, you know, we start with strategy. So, you know, as a marketing specialist, you go in and you want to understand what are the goals that the company is trying to achieve. Okay, when you can understand those goals, you can set up a marketing plan. And then your multilingual marketing plan or your global marketing plan is going to align with what your marketing strategy is. So the first thing you need to do is understand what your company strategy is. You You need to have Um, senior leadership buy-in, you have to make it a focus that you're going, you know, that can be one of your traction rocks for the year. Um, And you've got to break down what that's going to look like. So once you've included in your strategy, then you have to think about, okay, where, where am I going to go? So if you're just starting out, my advice is to, um, you figure out which country you're going to go into. Okay. Now, a lot of English speakers will start with UK, Australia, Ireland, Canada, because, oh, they speak English and it'll be easier. Well, you know what? We translate (laughs) into those Englishes because they are different languages and you've got all your competition going into those markets. So rather than looking at it by language, you want to look at it by the opportunity in the marketplace. So what are different ways to do that? One is to look for the demand for your services, look for, you know, if it's a, if you supply things to car manufacturers, where might a lot of car manufacturers be located? If you've got consumer products or you've got, you know, like um, wind current measuring devices, this is a, a client that we work with, go on your website and see who's landing on your web, on your site, mm. because they're searching for your keywords. If you find um, like this client that I was talking about with the wind sensors, 
he found a lot of people from Germany were visiting his sites. We, he thought, well, what happens if I put a little German translation up there? Will I get more hits from there? Um, look at places that might have trade shows in your industry where you're going to have a mass. So any, any kind of strategic analysis that you do to figure out which market to go into. I, I recommend starting with one market, one language, and then doing the second step in the, you know, and how you start doing this. So you set up the strategy. And again, there's free resources to help you do the market analysis um, and research. Um, and through the state and federal government. The second thing is, is to set up a process. So you want to streamline the process, document it so it's repeatable. Once you figure that out for one country or one language, then you can repeat it across other ones. And so the process is thinking about, you know, is, is the language, the content, who's gonna do your translation? Are you gonna work with a distributor? Can you sell direct online? Um, how is there legal contracts needed? Are there, um, you know, user manuals that you need to think about? Um, and so how are you really going to develop that process so you're connecting in and, and being successful at it? Third thing you want to do is look at technology. Okay. Do not use Google Translate for your website or anything that's important. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I'll give you some use cases for Google Translate, but the quality is not there and you can run into problems. And you know, when you go to a website and it's got a crappy translation that was done on Google, you, you click right off of it. You're not going to spend your time looking at it. You've got a, a couple of minutes, you've got a couple of seconds to grab somebody's attention. You know, I never thought of it. Does, does that, does Google Translate make your website look like one of those emails you get from the Nigerian princes? in Africa offering to give you gold in exchange for like, does it look that the, the English is just off, right? Is that what they, our sites look like to them in their oh, yeah. language? You know, we it's like, it's in German, but it's just not really German. It's like yeah. funky and it's almost, it feels like a scam, right? It doesn't build yeah. trust when they see that that language is off just by the tiniest little bit. Yes, you're exactly, you know it because you're a marketing person. You've got to build that trust. Now, here's some more statistics for you. Yeah. Over 70% of consumers are going to spend more time on languages that are in their native language, even if they're bilingual. Now, over 70% say they're more apt to buy something if it's in their native language. And over half of them say that they'll spend more money if information is in their native language. There it is. There and, it is. And not I'm, just Google Translate, but actual, do you have any like crazy examples of where these sort of machine translations have just gone amok? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I have lists and lists sure of you them. Do. <laughs> is that like a frequent like, hey, let's grab a bottle of wine and talk about some <laughs> stories of uh, international... <laughs> Oh, yes. And if you find them, send them my way. Any faulty uh, Google Translate or any words that don't have a direct translation. So here's one for you. It's Katzenjammer. Okay. It means hangover. Okay. And if you go to Google Wait, what, what and is put the that word? in, what there's is, no translation it for it. Um, it. It means hangover. The literal translation is cat's whale. You're like, oh, I feel so horrible. <laughs> really? Uh-huh. But if you go to Google Translate, there's no translation for it. 
interesting. It doesn't know. Yeah. It doesn't realize. It just That's just like a slang know. for a hangover. Yeah. Yeah. Is it is that German? Uh-huh. Yes, that's that's just German. Katzenjammer. Cool word. Yeah. How about how about redneck? You know what a redneck yeah, is? Right. OK, so if you're in the U.S., you know what a redneck is. And a redneck right. is somebody that's kind of a um, maybe crass, unsophisticated, the beer belly, drinking beer, usually somebody who lives in the in the rural parts. Um Sometimes it can be derogatory. Some rednecks might be kind of proud. Um, so it, it, it gets a flavor of a, of a culture. Um, and, and so often people think that it comes from being a farmer because you get the back of the neck is red from red. being out in the sun. But it's actually, a, you know, an urban myth. The real meaning of redneck is um, back in the mining days, old time mining days when there were no worker rights. It was before the industrial revolution. And um, people were starting to say this, just the mines aren't safe. We should have more rights. There's, you know, nobody watching out for us. And so all the people that supported those new safety protocols wore red bandanas around their neck. And so they were rednecks because they were fighting for workers' rights. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? So if you put that into um, Google Translate for Spanish, it comes up as white peasant. If you put it into a white peasant, a white peasant doesn't even make it a red. Oh, because it's not if it's together, it doesn't know. And it a white peasant. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's not the same. And if you put it into if you use Google for translation into German, it comes up as farmer. So it doesn't count. They're trying, right? They're trying to. It sounds like it's not, it it doesn't just say like it's not like a neck rojo. It's not like a a red, it's not literally trained. So it's trying to get there, but it it but it misses it. I mean, white white peasant doesn't work. Farmer isn't exactly accurate because like you said, it's a myth that it's the it's the sunburn. So yeah, this is just like a you know, couple words, but you know, imagine. Imagine a web page full of them. Yeah. So here, here's another one that's good. Were you on the Trevor Noah call with EO? No, no, I, I didn't get I didn't get on that one. Oh my God. I read his book. I loved it. There was nothing I was going to do to miss that. So Trevor Noah, you know, the the night show host, he wrote a book. He's originally from a poor area in South Africa. So he talks about a Amambuhua. I don't know how you'd say it in um, Afrikaans, but that's a uh, poor person who's acting white by dressing fashionably and trying to um, show that they're, they're beyond their station, even though they live in shacks. So if you put that into Google, you get butterflies. Hmm. So there's all I could keep going all day on these, Casey. I love them. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. Jeez. So so we so we can't use machine translation. So technology comes third. Is there a fourth or those three? Because you said strategy, process, 
technology. Technology. Okay, so let me go back to where I've seen good uses of Google Translate. One is if you get an email from somebody and you just don't know if it's, uh, you know, one of those send money to my bank account mm -hmm. emails, or if it's a legitimate business proposition, you can pop that in and get the gist of it. Now, if you're going to reply, unless you know them well, I would say avoid Google Translate, try to figure out a better way to do that. We have telephone interpreting for $1.40 per minute. You can get somebody on the phone and 20 seconds. It's very affordable. And then you can have a, an accurate conversation. Oh, that's cool. Um, I was actually going to ask you about that. If I could interrupt real quick. Um, yeah. Does your company help with all of this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So because yeah, like, yeah, I'd like hiring experts in a particular topic and just be like, help us. Let's help us figure out the, com the country to go to the one language, the one country, and then help us figure out the steps. Like, is that something that you're um, that's, we won't, we don't deep dive into strategy. What we okay. will do is if you don't know where to start, contact me. I can talk about your corporate strategy and what you want to do. I mean, I have an MBA from Dartmouth. I've got business strategy. I've worked in business development for years. So I can get you started and how to think about it. I can help you with how to handle the language stuff. But if you need a deep dive, then I'm going to send you to the free people at the state or point you in the direction of a paid um, consultant yeah. that I think would be good for you. And that's why I keep a very wide network is because I like to match people with who I think would work well well for them. Got it. And rapport would be the, specifically fill that gap for people on the translation side. Is that? Yes. Any yeah. of the language. So any of the communication. So, you know, if you're thinking, you know, we do video interpreters, phone interpreters, in-person interpreters, conference interpreters, any form of written um, communicate, any uh, written documents that need to be done. We do chat. Um, so anything on the, the language and cultural gotcha. adaptation. Okay. Yeah, Makes you're sense. going visiting, give us a call. We can give you some suggestions on doing business in those countries. Gotcha. You know, okay. so what we're really good is helping you figure out the best and most efficient way to, to communicate. Yeah, get that message across the way you, you intended it in the first place. Yes. Uh, the Kassen genre yes. in the middle of it. Um, uh -huh. Why don't you shift a little bit, talk a little bit about more of the entrepreneurial side. Because um, I know you've been, you've been at this for a while. You know, you often hear that it's lonely at the top, you know, because it's isolating and you got to make tough calls and that kind of thing. Are there any kind of resources that you utilize, resources, communities, um, any tips in terms of how to make sure that you still stay connected um, even when leading a company? Yes, I'll talk about like my most current connections and then work back to other things I've done through the years. I mean, yeah. we met through EO, which is Entrepreneurs right. Organization. For those of you who are listening and don't know, it's an EO podcast, so you might have some insight into it. But it's for, um, there's an accelerator um, for people who are more in the startup phase. And then there's the actual membership global organization. I've been so impressed with the people that are members of EO. Um, I've gotten all sorts of ideas and insights and just, it's a fun group. I mean, entrepreneurs are a unique, uh, you know, type of person who are drawn to to live this life. So um, I can't say enough about EO and, and joining that. Um, before that, I did a program called uh, 10KSB, which is sponsored by Goldman Sachs. It's a free program for businesses that qualify. You go through an application interview process. And there I was put in with a growth group um, which was a group of seven of us that worked together to work on building a growth plan, plan or a strategy. 
Um, and I have found uh, great connections through that with people. You know, I did that years ago and I'm still connected. Actually, I brought uh, Emily Brackett, who is a new oh, Accelerator yeah, yeah. member at uh, EO. Um, I brought her into it. I told her about it. And so it's good to, you know, I'm trying to get others that I know through that. Um, other places that I've gone for support is there's a Center for Women in Enterprise in Boston who um, gives, have, they have um, classes and you can go in for consultants with the, um, the advisors that they have there. So that they're particularly good with startup organizations. If you don't know how to set your organization up, or where to start, um, how to look at your finances. So I did use some advisors there. Their, their conference in the fall is um, very good. They've always got fantastic speakers there. And then there's the SBDC, Small Business Development Center. Um, and, and they have, again, free government resources for business owners. So when I acquired a company out in Nebraska, um, I went to them and they actually helped me put together the financials to present to the bank to get um, an SBA loan uh, to fund the acquisition. Wow. So, um, you know, and then there's a lot of, of uh, local networks that I'll go out and belong to because it's either, you know, building my network so I have people to refer to or getting to know people so they know me if they hear of a translation need and then if I have questions. And then I have my friend Sarah Ganand, who's a, uh, a marketing strategy consultant that we do a, a coaching walk every other Friday <laughs> through the woods with our dogs and talk business. So. Oh, that's awesome. Shout out to Sarah. That's, that's great. Can, yeah. Next time she's walking, she listen to this podcast. I, I will tell her that when I'm not with her. <laughs> now, this is an impressive list. Um, as you were, as I got to maybe the fourth entry, I was like, this was the question to ask you because uh, you are, you are so connected, um, but you're also not just to people, but to resources. Um, unbelievable that actually helped you put some financials together to get that acquisition, the SBDC. We're, just for those listening, we're going to put all of these in the show notes so you can click right through to them. So in case you're trying to write it down while you're driving or something, don't, don't write it in coffee on the, on the paper, <laughs> on the passenger seat, just, you know, pull up the show notes and you can click through, but yeah, what fantastic um, list here. Um, another, another rapid fire question for you. Wait, um, wait, wait, let's oh, go back to EO. Cause I, you know oh, what? EO, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're I've been in EO only a year and a half. I mean, it was a well-kept secret um, mm. for years. I didn't know about it, but you know what I've been most impressed by is some of the speakers that they've had on. I mean, Trevor Noah was on Barbara Corcoran, Mark Cuban. Um, we've got, we had the guy on for our chapter event of the breath holding or the deep dive free oh dive that was record cool. holder he was amazing and teaching us how to use our breath to calm ourselves and how long we could hold our breath and so i've just been so impressed with the access to information and i haven't even done any of the international travel which i hear is phenomenal to connect with other entrepreneurs yeah i've been on the slack channel and the whatsapp and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> met all sorts of neat people. So anyway, enough about EO. What was your next question? No, no, no. I mean, it's true. I, I mean, that's what brought us here together today too. And um, even this podcast is a, is a chance to one, learn from each other, but also learn from other CEOs who maybe aren't in EO yet and, and expose this to them. So they have an opportunity to, to learn more about it because you're right. EO is a member run organization. So we're all running businesses. We're not all thinking like, oh, how do I 
put this out there for other people. It really is a, like a best kept secret that only maybe a fellow you know, entrepreneur might tell you about. I, I read about it in a blog from an entrepreneur that I really respected in Atlanta, you know, like so <laughs> the weirdest ways, you know, and, and when I first read about it, I, I didn't, you know, qualify. Um, so it was just one of those yeah. things. But yeah, EO has been fantastic for me. Probably have yeah, I heard things. about it from Wendy Lieber in the South Florida yeah, chapter. You know about, yeah, yeah, I know Wendy. That's yeah, it's such a small world. That's yeah. the thing. Like it's a global organization, but it shrinks the world to such a small size, um, which is pretty fantastic. Um, that next question where I was going to was about the future. You're so connected to resources, to people, and I feel like. When you're siloed, you can't quite see this, but when you're connected the way you are, you can. What what excites you about the future? What are trends? What are things that are changing right now that you're excited? It could be in the global business world. It could be just in business in general. What, what changes have you excited right now we should keep our eyes open for? Well, we've had a virtual office for 17 years. So we were virtual before there was a cloud. I can remember having an old dial-up computer in here for an employee to, to get in to access information. When I heard about the cloud, I was like, yeah, we've been doing that. But you know, now it's so much easier with voice over IP and the server through Amazon. And you know, so it's just gotten so much simpler. And what I've realized through the whole COVID shutdown is that global business is so much easier if you can do it virtually. I mean, rather than having to yeah. travel and have jet lag and um, time zone differences and stuff like that, you can, I mean, I'm talking to people all over the world all the time on, on my computer. So, you know, I'm just so excited because I think that COVID pushed us along on doing that so much faster. And I know there's a lot of people that are anxious to get back to traveling. And I know other countries put more of a value on face-to-face -face interaction and building the relationship. Most other countries besides the U.S., um, but it's also made us made everything so more so much more accessible that I think this will go forward. And so I'm really curious to see how the world will play out. I um, I like how people have had more time at home. They've had more time with family because they're not commuting as much or wasting as much time, and they still can be efficient. So that's what I've got my eye on. Interesting. Yeah. The, the idea of working for a company overseas or for having someone overseas work for you, um, all, all those things have gotten easier and easier and easier. But I, I guess to your earlier point, some of the, some of these professionals in other countries have from the get-go known they're going to work remotely for a company in the U.S. or try to. Um, yeah. And now we're sort of catching up with the rest of the world. Yes. Normally we're, you know, kind of in front of the world with new ideas, but in this case we've been behind and now we're thinking, oh, maybe we should be thinking more and more remote U.S. international. You have a, a team across many countries, not just many states or many, you know, cities. That's very, yeah, you're right. It's, a, it's one of those trends to definitely keep your eye on. Yeah. Yeah. I've got um, people who work for me in Kenya and the Philippines. Wow. You know, th that work for me for the business operations. We've got linguists all over the place. I mean, we always have. Kenya. That's a that's a country I hadn't heard, um, not heard of people, but uh, heard <laughs> in this uh, this setting. That's cool. Is there a is there a great uh, offshore type uh, resource over there? 
Just good people. She, I was looking around and found somebody in the UK who said, I know somebody for you. She's in Kenya. She had gone to school at the University of Minnesota and she and majored uh, in science. And so now I have her doing some marketing stuff. So Linda Cherwan, she's been fantastic. Shout out to her. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it, that's the great thing is it, it's the right people in the right yes. seat, wherever, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. where they physically are sitting. It's that they are the right person for that invisible seat in whatever right. country, location, planet, in whatever day. hours. I mean, yeah. I've outsourced my finances to India for, I don't know, 10 years or something like that. Really? Yeah. And rather than having a bookkeeper come in here um, and then only once a week and then things sit, I mean, they've been able to grow with me. And if somebody leaves, they just backfill and train the position and everything's done overnight. You know, is we have some overlap. That does that? Do you recommend or is it you found some particular? No, it's called issues. analytics solutions, hmm. analytics with an X and then solutions. They have an office here in Woburn. And then they have all the all the book, bookkeeping done over in India. Wow, cool resource. Yeah. We'll link to them. Shout out to those guys. Shout out analytics. What's up? Um, yeah. <laughs> go DJ. Yeah, right. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, DJ Dave. <laughs> I'd love to shift a little bit with you here, and we've learned so much from you on this. I'd love to learn a little bit more about you. Like, who are you? Like, I, we we've worked together. We, we've collaborated in EO. Who are you? Did you always know you're going to be running global empires of linguists and translators and books? We'll have to talk about the books too. Did you always know this was going to be in the, in the cards for you? Where did you grow up? What did you want to be when you're growing up? Um, you know, it's really interesting. When I was at one age, somebody said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, president. And I don't think I ever really wanted to be president of the United States. There's too much that goes along oh, with yeah. that. Yeah, it's not it's not my scene. But I did, you know, so I did say president. So I must okay. have had a leadership aspiration. Yeah. At one point in high school, um, when I was talking to my dad, I said, oh, it might be neat to be an interpreter. Because I'd gone to school in Mexico for first and second grade, half the day in Spanish, half the day in English. Seriously? And then I took it all through high school and college. And he said, you know, it's better to become an expert in something and be bilingual than just train in languages. And that's really good advice because when we hire interpreters now, we want them to have a specialty on subject matter. Um, So I went on and I majored in foreign service and international politics with a minor in business and then got into sales. And I love sales. I mean, it's problem solving really for people. Yeah. And then, you know, found that I love business um, and that's when I got my MBA from, from Dartmouth. Wow. So, you know, there was always this living internationally, loving travel, loving languages and culture, this, you know, way back when interest in interpreting, but I, it wasn't anything that I pursued it. This industry flies under the radar screen. I mean, could you name, I mean, don't do it, but could you name another language services company? No, not, not <laughs> right. even close. I, I, you know, yeah, I have no idea. Thousands of them in the U.S. Are there? And a lot of them were independent translators or interpreters that then turned it into the business, but nobody can name one. So it wasn't anything on my radar screen to do. And then um, I had two layoffs and maternity leaves, different reasons, company being sold and doing away with the department. But I ran into somebody who said, 
buy a company. I'm like, (laughs) with what money and what company? Who's writing that check, right? Yeah. 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 But I started daydreaming online and found this little translation company. I'm like, well, that's cool. Lo and behold, I uh, I took out a home equity line to to fund some of it and uh, bought it and we've grown every year. No kidding. Yeah, my second acquisition I did get the SBA loan, but the first one was just a home equity line. Yeah. Kidding, man, (laughs) man. Um, Well, looking back on this, yeah, really curious. If if you could go back in time and talk to yourself, um, you know, a couple days out of that MBA, you know, you you haven't necessarily bought companies yet and all these things, if you could talk to that version, um, that version of Wendy, you know, what would you tell her? What kind of advice would you give yourself knowing all the things you've been through and the travels you've made? (laughs) I I can't think of a, of a real answer. All I can think of is that, that song, everything's going to be all right. Yeah. I think if I could sing, I'd just sing that to her. Yeah, you just put your arm around yourself and you'd be like, it's going to be, it's going to be good. Everything's going to be all right. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think a podcast, did you? No, no. And I'm sure people are saying, please stop, please yeah. stop. Maybe <laughs> they don't even know what song it is. Can you, can you pull that up really quickly and gonna, pay it? <laughs> yeah. Everything's, uh, everything's yeah, um, going to, it's a reggae song, I think. Oh, 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 that one. Oh, that's a great <laughs> You couldn't pump. tell from my singing. <laughs> um, but I think. All right. it, yeah, it's, oh, the, yeah, the reg. it's not the Kenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, well, you're finding it. I'll just talk about why I say Marley? that. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Yeah. I, I want to play the thing, but we get kicked off of YouTube. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of, <laughs> I know I'm looking at it. I'm looking at Bob Marley. Everything's going to be all right. Yeah, right. There you go. <laughs> Can you we, sing it any better than I can? <laughs> we can turn this into the Joe Rogan podcast pretty soon, you know, just get a little Rasta, you know, get get some things out, start smoking it up, you know, play yeah. some music. Like hey, everything's gonna be all right. Yeah, everything's gonna be all right. Yeah, I worked with a I I found out um at a oh count me in was another organization that helped uh business women business owners i think they're having a revival and they did research on what makes companies successful and the only thing they found was uh the leaders who had a coach so after that i hired uh alicia marie at people biz um to be my coach and a lot of good leadership is really emotional intelligence And so I did, along with her coaching, some of her leading change courses, which were absolutely fantastic. And, um, and I, and I came, came up with the, I still have the stages of energy hanging on my bulletin board, is that if you can get up to the peace, joy, love and enlightenment and kind of hang in that area, um, you know, everything's okay. And all is well, even when you're in the depths of hardest time telling yourself all is well. And I certainly, I went through one year where I had a really hard time. I made some bad investments and got really tight on finances. And that was the only mantra that got me through all is well. And we came through and we came through it stronger and we put some processes in place for it. But um, yeah, everything's going to be all right. (laughs) 
Well, you know what? I'm I'm fine with your singing, but I don't think uh, YouTube's going to pull us down for that rendition. So be, <laughs> I don't think safe. they're going to recognize it. Could be safe, right? Have you ever tried you know, like singing to Shazam and Shazam's like, I got no idea. <laughs> Very quickly, we learned that app doesn't do magic. You know, it has, to, it has to actually sound like this song. But I know exactly what you're talking about. And as soon as we're done here today, I'm totally going to hit that song on, lean back in my chair. And drink my power <laughs> drink. Um, absolutely. <laughs> so good. Um, but that's great advice, though. I mean, it, it is going to be okay. Um, but like, I'd love to really switch here and, um, and, and talk about where people can connect and find you. And I, and I want you to give a shout out and talk about the books as well, because it is no small feat to have a book go live. And I know now it's two there's one out but there's two in the world there's another one in the works so okay you just held it up but like tell everyone what it is about it where they can get it because if if they're listening at this point like i haven't scared them away with my crazy questions and you you've kept them here it's been a, a single person podcast tell me tell them about this book Okay, so I wrote The Language of Global Marketing, Translate Your Domestic Strategies into International Sales and Profits yeah. uh, during COVID. It published earlier this year. And the reason is so many people are afraid of going international and of those that even open their eyes to do it. Um, they had a lot of the same questions. So in the beginning of the book, I talk about the opportunity. How do you look what markets to go into? How do you think about who can afford your markets? You know, why English is not the global language, Google Translate, a lot of the things we talked about today. Um, so it's available on Amazon um, in about a month. We're announcing the audio version release, but it's oh, wow. already up there. So if you're a podcast listener and you're like, to listen to your books, you can go get that now. I uh, recorded it in my, I have a wine cellar that I used as my gift cabinet downstairs. <laughs> I just keep my wine in the kitchen. <laughs> um, and I had Brian Morris from Cape Cod. He's a, a, a former NPR employee and contractor. He's fantastic. Anybody in Boston should hire him if they're going to do uh, an audio recording. Um, and so you shout can listen to, to me and do that. Yes. Yeah, shout out to Brian. And um, yeah. And oh, I know my big news is, is I just got notified that a professor at a university, the University of Gulf in Canada is using my book in one of his courses. <laughs> Congratulations. That is huge. Thank you. Thank you. I am just, I am just so tickled and so pleased. So, uh, you know, normally university is so, so far backward and behind that, you know, they basically don't give you anything, but like, I know at least there's one university now that's going to have some quality education uh, because <laughs> this book is hot off the presses. And you know, it's funny. I asked earlier, like, well, what do you do? Like, how do you figure out, you know, which language and which country? And it sounds like this book has that initial level strategy. Yeah. So even before hiring, you know, some strategist or contract person to help you out with that, get the book read that first and maybe that solves your problems. And now, you know, you know, to go for, you know, that country and that language and you, you can go for it. 
Yeah, that's that's the book is a is a roadmap on how to do it. So if you're a reader or you're listening to them, um, and then leave me leave me a review on Amazon, please, an honest review. Give me whatever star you think about and and tell me because as you mentioned, I've got another book in the works that'll be. There's two of them. One is about global customer experience, and the other one is about is a you know a shorter version of this, like the one minute manager type or cheese kind. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And we'll link to the book. And I, I just clicked on it. I purchased this item on April 12th. So yes, yes you did <laughs> back in the day, back in the day. Uh, uh-huh. And you have a book out too, which I really enjoyed reading. So uh, got to mention that too, if you haven't on one of the podcasts already. That's it. You know what? Well, let's link to both books. Let's just link to them both. If- and the Everyone just listening, she's clicking by, just buy them all, buy them all. Buy um, them all. You get you get marketing <laughs> advice from Casey and you get global marketing advice from me. <laughs> yeah, this isn't self-serving at all, right? Yeah, no, no big deal. Uh, <laughs> where, what about your podcast? Tell us everyone yes. about your podcast, because if they're fascinated by this topic, we only had enough time to just really get some quick hits. I'm sure they can get a lot more on your show. Uh, yeah, a lot more about global marketing. Yeah. It's um, I started again because I'm talking to all these fascinating business people who have made the mistakes or made good moves or have suggestions. And so we're coming up on our year anniversary, um, have had some phenomenal guests. You know, there's uh, an episode about how to look at your huge website and narrow that down and figure out how to put a process around translating that. Um, the head of global sales from PepsiCo was on recently. We haven't released that episode yet, but he talked about, you know, how they've gone international and things that he's seen and his experiences because he's lived internationally. Mm-hmm. Um, we had somebody else that was launching a tourism company and how they went too broad at first and they didn't have enough resources to really support. So they built the infrastructure, but didn't have any, you know, they didn't have any outreach out there. Um, There's another one by Rotary International that talked about how they took their global marketing, which was so fractured and fragmented and done in the marketing, and wrapped it up and gave more support and a a unified voice to the organization. So there's all sorts of um, good suggestions, you know, whether you should have your distributor do it, how to get a, a global sales team going. Um, so I'll sort anything that you want in global marketing and certainly let me know if there's a guest or a topic that you want to learn about, because I can certainly reach out and, and, um, and bring them on. Or Absolutely. if you, yeah, if you're a listener and you think you'd be a good guest, reach out to me. <laughs> yeah, that's how, that's how you get on podcasts, just like that. Um, yeah. I'm going to go back to my initial question to say, like, what is the recipe? How do we do this? How do we go global? I'm going to say like this, you get the book and you listen to the podcast And if you still have questions, you can hire someone, but no doubt you get those two things going. You're going to be, you know, light years ahead of your competition and anyone just trying to, you know, just stay local. You're going to be out in front. So yeah, the, the, I love that combination of the book and the podcast is like a power hit. You've got what's codified in the book and then you have what's fresh and new and experiences that you can't write them all down into a book on that podcast ongoing. So that's, that's my recipe. That's right. That's what I recommend. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 And then call me when you have questions or you yeah. want to figure out how do you do your communications or if you want access to your state representative to get access to the grants. How do you want to people do an to reach out to you? Where do you want them to say hi? What web addresses? I mean, we're going to link to the book and to the podcast. Where else do you want them to go? Um, you know, have you heard of Linktree? You know, I have. I think the uh, Instagram stars use that. Do you have that? Oh, really? I have that. It's actually free. You go to link. 
L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E. And you can get a free account and you can put all your social media links up there. Cool. And so if you want a couple free chapters of the book, if you want the link to Amazon to buy it, if you want to go to the podcast, if you want to connect on me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, <laughs> you can yeah. go there. Um, so you can certainly go there. You know, we, I monitor LinkedIn messages all the time. You can, uh, or our website is rapport, R-A-P-P-O-R-T like the French word building rapport translations.com. And you can send a message into there that will get to me. Those are monitored all the time. Awesome. And we'll, what is your link tree? Is there a thing after? Link oh tree? yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's link tr.ee slash Wendy Pease. And that's P E A S. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, yeah, it's yeah. free. Mobile I mean, it's friendly it's too. So yeah, I definitely like people take it. You know, that's, what's great about this podcast is like, Maybe you've listened to this whole thing. You knew everything already, but you didn't know about Linktree. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like you never know what you're going to learn interfacing with other entrepreneurs, you know, any EO or any kind of podcast like this. Right, right. I get tremendous suggestions all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. good. Wendy, thank you so much for being on here. I feel like I could talk to you all day and I can, I can get a little taste of that on the globalmarketingshow.com. <laughs> so that's what I'm going to do next. Um, but again, thank you for being on here and just sharing your wisdom on going global. Hey, and thank you for having me. I'm so glad that you're doing this EO podcast. And uh, it's always great to see what you're doing because you do lead the way with podcasts. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Super kind words from a fellow podcaster. I see your 50 plus episodes in one year, um, but you'll have a 150 by next year. So uh, keep up with that. Um, thank you all for listening. Um, if you want to learn more, eoboston.org or um, leadershipinaction.live are the, the sites to go to. And if you've learned something on the podcast today um, or you laughed or both, tell someone about this podcast, share it with folks on LinkedIn. That's how you become a thought leader. Uh, if you're interested in EO, you know, shoot me or Wendy or anyone a note. Again, eoboston.org for that. And that's it. Thanks again, Wendy. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you all next time. This has been Leadership in Action. Leadership in Action is sponsored by the Boston Chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. As the world's only peer-to-peer -peer network exclusively for entrepreneurs, EO helps transform the lives of those who transform the world.